Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. I'm Rosen, everybody. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Dallas, Texas, where the Pelicans tonight will wrap up a back-to-back and take on the Dallas Mavericks for the second time this season. I'm Sean Kelly. Hope you're having a great Wednesday, everybody. We've got a lot in store for you today, especially on the basketball side, following a Pelicans win last night over the the, uh, New York Knicks. 104-93 was the final score at the Smoothie King Center. The uh, Pelicans continue to play very well at home and uh, climb back to 500 as well with the win. 10-10 now overall. That makes the Southwest Division the only division in basketball with uh, every team in the uh, group at double-digit wins, everybody's at 500 or better. It is a clearly, again, the a class of the NBA, and the Pelicans are trying to make their way through it, and they'll jump back in the division tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. So with that, we'll welcome in the voice of the Mavs today, Chuck Cooperstein. He's been a guest of ours before. He gives us great insight, and he'll help us preview tonight's matchup between Dallas and New Orleans. We'll also look back on last night's game with David Wesley. Yep, it's a Wesley Wednesday, and the analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans Former NBA star David Wesley is our guest here on this Wednesday as well. We're going to evaluate a little bit the uh, first 20 games that find the Pelicans even here at 10-10. and 10. Get David's thoughts on how things have gone and what his evaluation is after what uh, Monty Williams said would be a fair number to uh, take a hard look at his team. He said he needed 20 games to do so, and so not only will we do that with David Wesley here, but... Uh, We're going to do so with head coach Monty Williams a little bit tonight on our broadcast of the game and then for sure tomorrow on the Monty Williams show. Yep, the Monty Williams show is back for you tomorrow night at 8 o'clock central on the flagship station 105.3 WWL-FM. We'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. On the football side, we get you ready for the weekend fantasy-wise as Jake Seeley stops by again from rotoexperts.com. Daniel Salerson and Jake will be talking Fantasy football. I know a lot of you are involved probably in your league playoffs at this point. You know, Diesel knows more about this than I do. But uh, it's worth having Jake Seeley on uh, here this late in December because I know a lot of folks are still doing the week-by-week fantasy leagues. You know, you kind of get in on one weekend, see how you do, and then start all over again the next. So certainly we want to keep Jake Seeley as our guest here 
this week and, and probably next week too before we wrap up that usual Wednesday segment for us here on the Black and Blue Report. So a lot of things to talk about, and certainly we're very thrilled about last night's Pelicans win over the New York Knicks. It was a big night for uh, Tyreek Evans after a rough road trip that saw him shoot only 32%. And for him, a guy that drives to the rim, that's too low of a number. But yet last night Evans seemed to snap out of it going 11-15 of 15, uh, from the field and finishing with a game-high 27 points in helping the Pelicans to a win. Four starters in double figures last night. Davis had 18. Oshik had maybe his best night of the uh, season so far at 16 points. That's a season high and uh, 14 rebounds. And Drew Holiday uh, has uh, been dynamite in back-to-back games now. He has uh, 13 points on the card from last night along with seven assists. As a matter of fact, I think over the last two games he's averaging uh, right around 19 points per game, the win over the Lakers and last night against the Knicks. Got to get Ryan Anderson going, though. Uh, one for nine last night, just four points. And over the uh, last ten games, so half of the start to the season, uh, his three-point numbers are down near 20%. So perhaps uh, Ryan can get his legs back uh, maybe even as early as tonight against a very good Dallas Mavericks team who's coming off of a loss at Memphis. Uh, the Saints are quiet again today. Uh, they get back full go tomorrow. And so with that, tomorrow's show will be heavy on football as we begin to preview the uh, Monday night football game between the Saints and the Bears uh, at the end of this upcoming football weekend. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick time out, and when we come back, we'll jump into our uh, conversation about the Pelicans with David Wesley. We'll do so next. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Before we begin uh, our Wesley Wednesday visit with David Wesley, I want to remind everyone uh, about something that we talked about last night on the game broadcast, and that is the fact that there are still a small amount of tickets available for Friday night's home game for the Pelicans versus LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So don't sleep on that. Don't think that the game is just a sellout, a foregone conclusion. There is a little room for you. So make sure you're there for a big game on Friday night as the Pelicans look to split their season series with the Cavaliers uh, when the, when our good guys get back home. All right, so with and that, we bring Friday, in David Wesley. You you're, yeah? It's yes, Friday. David. You don't uh-huh. have to work. Come on out and watch the game. Yes. Yes. Hi, David. Hey. Hey, Sean, my man. What's going Long on? Long time no talk to. <laughs> yeah, since last night. Late. Since last night. Hey, at least we get to talk about a win. What were your thoughts yeah. last night as the Pelicans beat the Knicks? 
Well, I, I thought they did exactly what they were supposed to do. I, I thought uh, the much-improved bench, I'm, I'm really high on Dante Cunningham right now. Um, I, I like uh, the flow that's out there in that second unit. The second unit, my concern was scoring. Like, who was going to score for them? And Ryan Anderson has been struggling so bad that if he doesn't score, then the bench usually doesn't score. And, you know, they went in there, and, and each of the last three games, they've increased the lead or kept the lead. So uh, been doing an exceptional job coming out in that second unit and finding ways to, to get it done, especially on the defensive end. David Wesley with us here from Fox Sports New Orleans on a Wesley Wednesday. Uh, David, the Pelicans have been very good at home, and I think that in this uh, in this climb back to relevance for the Pelicans, that's a huge key. It's it's that's a good start. You know that that they have to uh, to play well at home. They have to protect home court. You hear it all the time, and the fact that that they're ten and ten, they they got a they got an injury that now people see how significant Eric Gordon is to this lineup, and they're they're holding down the fort. I mean, to be ten and ten right now with with all the road games and the tough competition that the Pelicans have played, I, I'm I'm optimistic still. You know, I, I think you know they, they they're going to have some home games and they're playing well at home. They come back home and they continue to play that well. Hey, they, I mean they they're still they're still I, I think in a, in a good spot uh, to be relevant down the stretch of the season. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That was, that was the big question I wanted to talk to you about today. Monty Williams said, give me 20 games to really evaluate where this team is. And, and here we are, 20 games in at 10-10. and 10. You seem more encouraged than concerned at this point. I, I am. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's knowing what I know, which is they're in the tough West Conference. They're in a tough Southwest division. It's not going to be easy. But if they stay as healthy as they are right now, uh, possibly get Eric Gordon back at some point, I, I think that still come March, we're still going to be talking about, uh, you know, they're five games away or, or ten games away, and, you know, they got to win X amount of games, which is, which is a whole lot closer than what it's been uh, my two previous years here. Um, and... and you know, if they're, if they're in the Eastern Conference, obviously we say it all the time, they would be right in the thick of things. But where they are, it's going to be tough. And we know it's going to be tough coming in this season. But, you know, the relevance is, is a move forward, I think. Jimmy Smith from the uh, TimesPickyUnionola.com, I thought, wrote an interesting piece late last night. It's, it's there today. And, and really, he, he wrote to what some of us have been talking about these next 12 games are going to be an absolutely brutal stretch, maybe the toughest stretch of the season here for the Pelicans starting tonight in Dallas. Um, would it be prudent to uh, be discouraged if, say, the Pelicans hit January 1st a couple of games under 500 as a result, or if they don't find a way to be better than uh, losing during this next 12-game stretch because the West is what it is, does it become – unrealistic to make that run you're talking about in March? Well, this, this is obviously going to be a critical part of the season. Uh, you know, I, I think right now with the, with the teams that are scheduled over the next 12 games, if the Pelicans went 6-6, six and six, I think they would probably take it right now, which still would put them at 500. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I think it's I think it's I think it's key that they're at least 500 going into January. This is um, this could be the telltale of the whole season. You know, we 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 could be looking at January and saying, man, if we only had a blah blah blah. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully they can come. You know, and get hot. They haven't they haven't played to me to their potential yet. Uh, last night the the bigs inside. Ashik playing much better, much more powerful, inspiring basketball. Dante Cunningham, inspiring basketball. You know, you get everybody on the same page. Last night, Tyreek finally got, you know, really good rhythm driving to the basket. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, for the first time, got off to, you know, a poor start and had a pretty average game by his standards. So, you put all these guys together in, in the bench coming coming along, I, I think it's possible. I, I think it's possible to be better than 500 over these next 12 games, and, and hopefully I'm not just being too optimistic. Well, I hope you're right, because I think that I share the sentiment with you about January 1, and that is being at 500, maybe a game better or whatever, and then you're in good shape. Um, so we'll see. Uh, one thing that might be key, though, in these next 12, David, is Ryan Anderson. Uh, he uh, went one for nine last night and over now his last 10 games. So we're talking about half of the games played right now. David, he's 20% from three-point at 12 of 60. Um, any idea what's going on with him right now? Well, last year he was depending on to take a lot of tough shots. And also it was important for him to get off to a fast start. I I just read this because you know I talked to Coach Dale Dale Harris quite a bit, and he mentioned the fact that he maybe he needs to be more selective. If you'll notice, sometimes he'll just shoot because he just shoots, and he expects to make it. And I know he's trying to dig himself out of a hole, but the the shots that he's getting aren't open. Maybe be more selective. I don't know how many points he had last night, but he could have got those points with a lot less shots and a lot less bad shots. And so for now, he has to maybe think, maybe think I don't have to be the 20-point scorer. I just need to get my stroke back. And if it means being selective and only shooting eight times or ten times as opposed to 15, 16, 17 times, with about seven bad shots, that's more important, and he'll shoot a better percentage. Um, but, you know, that's kind of tough because I, I think he feels like, you know, I've been that guy, I can be that guy, I'm going out every night to make sure I'm that guy. Do you think in any way he's tired? And, and that would seem silly 20 games into a new season, but, you know, he didn't play basketball from January until October. It, it could be. I've I've thought on many occasions his shot looks really flat. He has no legs. Um, there even been a couple of shots where the rotation's not the same. So he, he and you know all that with pressing just a bit, I think is is what's what's got him kind of off track here. And um, you know when you're a shooter, it's one of the hardest things to get right. You know because when you're shooting by yourself, everything seems to feel pretty good. Or even when you're shooting by yourself, something doesn't feel right. 
how do you get it back? And you shoot and you shoot and you shoot, and these these things have a way of just happening. All of a sudden, you get that one to go, and oh boy, and the next one goes, and and it, and it's a snowball effect. So, um, you know, I've I've been thinking, you know, any day he'll hit that stride, and he just hadn't quite found it yet. But maybe because he is tired, maybe his legs haven't adapted to this new season in 20 games, a lot of road trips, a lot of back-to-back, so he hasn't had a had time to recuperate. It's just game after game right now for them. And, uh, you know, when you're shooting well, yeah, keep them coming. When you're not, give me a break. Let me get in the gym and practice and shoot and, and get some good good rhythm going. Sean Kelly here in Dallas. David Wesley is back in New Orleans. That's because ESPN has the uh, television broadcast of the Pelicans and Mavericks tonight. Um, even though you're not doing the game, David, um, can you offer me something for my game notes or a preview perhaps of how you see Pelicans and Mavericks tonight? Well, again, another another tough matchup, obviously, for uh, the Pelicans. I, you know, I, I, I really think that uh, the bench will be key. You know, obviously, um, Anthony Davis can't get into foul trouble tonight if he has to guard uh, Nowitzki for significant minutes. A lot of pump fakes. Shot blockers love those pump fakes. And if he gets an early foul trouble, that could be trouble for the Pelicans. Um, Osik has to play big inside. They have to control the middle. Um, you know, they, they have guards that, that penetrate guards. That sh- I mean, they, they have to defend. They have to defend well, obviously. And uh, in order to do that, a lot of communication, guys got to be on a string. And they can't use last night as as kind of a – I don't, I don't want to say excuse, but, you know, these back-to-backs, they're tough. But you got to get your mind right, go out and, and, and play the game. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll come out and compete and, you know, sneak a win down, down in Dallas. Yeah, hopefully a, a, a trend continues, and that's the fact that the Pelicans, David, are 4-1 and one now in second games of back-to-backs this season. And they, they've, been, they've been really good. Um, but in the four games they won, they lost the first game. Tonight they won the first one, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's a different trend. You know, we already got the the first end of this back to back. Let's let's uh, let's let's go find a way to get this second one. Good point. That's a little wrinkle in the trend there. You're right about that. Um, so I would imagine you have a honeydew list today, David. Yeah, you know, um, I'm embarrassed to say, just picked up the Christmas tree today. God, this month is it's just on its way. Two weeks away from Christmas. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, drop the dog off at the vet. Um, you know, those kind of things, running around, drop the kids off at school. You know, the regular everyday uh, stuff everybody does, I guess. Yep. Nope. Uh, you have to take advantage, that's for sure. But we'll see you right back at work on Friday for uh, Cavaliers and Pelicans. As always, David, I'll thank you. Nice game. job today. What's that? I'll be at that game. I'll be at oh, that good. game. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good, I'm going good, to see. I'm going to the arena to watch that game. I, I invite all the fans, all the black and blue listeners. Tell some friends. Come on out. Let's pack the joint. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, and for those who can't make it, we'll see you on television. Correct? Yes, we will yes. be there. Fox Sports New Orleans. Or something nice, will you? <laughs> good to talk to you, David. Good talking to you. All right, David Wesley with us here on a Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. When we come back, the voice of the Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, 
helps the conversation along right after this. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Tuesday, December 12th at 7 p.m. when LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers come to town. The Pelicans' best pregame block party tips off the phone at 5.30 with live music by Weathered, inflatable games for the kids, and a whole bunch more. Tickets are limited and going fast. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue here from Dallas, Texas this morning where the Pelicans will take on the Mavericks tonight. Second meeting between these two teams already this season. And uh, Chuck Cooperstein, our good friend, the voice of the Mavericks, joins us on the Black and Blue Report. Chuck, good morning. Welcome home. I know you guys were out late last night too. I think we beat you home by about five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> about right. Both teams kind of pulled into Dallas Love Field last night. Uh, one with a win, though, and one with a loss. You know, you guys ran into Memphis again last night, and I was talking with you just moments ago off the air about the Southwest Division right now. And here you guys at 16-7 and seven and coming off of a loss are off to an incredible start. But yet, in our own division here, it's it's hard to make up any ground on anything right now. Well, what, what it really shows, Sean, is I think you better win your home games. Uh, because winning road games in this division is going to be monstrous. And, you know, the Mavericks had close calls against San Antonio uh, on opening night, close call against Houston. You know, they led in both of those games in the last minute. And even against Memphis last night, they were within two after trailing by 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, they got it down to two with four and a half minutes to go, and they had momentum, but they just couldn't get over the top. But uh, you better win your home games. Uh, Memphis is phenomenal at home. Right now they're 10-1 and one at home. San Antonio and Houston are playing great. It's, it's it's tough tough sledding, and as I think you said very well, is that if you want to really test drive your team and just see how good they are, about taking them through a spin through the Southwest Division right now, and you'll find out when it's all said and done. There's no doubt. And the first meeting between the Mavericks and the Pelicans was uh, was interesting. Tyreek Evans had a big third quarter. Dallas got out of New Orleans with a big division road win, five point victory earlier this season. Um, when you looked at that game, what did you see that may carry over to tonight? Well, I have a feeling that uh, Anthony Davis went for 31-15 and 15 in, uh, in that game. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he got that tonight. Uh, the one thing that won the game for the Mavericks was their defense in the fourth quarter. Uh, after New Orleans played so well in the third, uh, Dallas held them to 15 points and 4-18 shooting. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, that was my one take from the game, but it was the thing that it just tells me if the Mavericks are going to get anywhere this year, they've just got to get better defensively, and they've got to get better keeping teams from shooting threes. And what I've noticed just getting ready for tonight is that the Pelicans, who were a really good three-point shooting team last year, uh, are not a very good three-point shooting team this year, and Ryan Anderson is really struggling. And from 
a Maverick standpoint, I'm just fearful that tonight's the night that he finds that stroke, and if he does, well, that's when the Pelicans are terrific. And, and the other thing, I guess, that I really took from that game is that the first six that the Pelicans had before Eric Gordon was hurt, and granted Gordon was terrible in that game, are really, really good and can compete with anyone. But there just is not enough support coming from the bench, and I, I know there's been change-outs and trying to get some people in, like Gal Mechel, the former Maverick, uh, to try to help at point guard, but uh, the Pelicans just aren't getting that right now. And it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on Davis and Evans and Drew Holiday and Anderson to be great every night, because if they're not, then they're really walking the fine line. Yeah, I think that's a very accurate read on New Orleans, to say the least. Um, you know, Dallas scored 62 points in the paint on the Pelicans in that first meeting. The Pelicans are near the top of the league and points per uh, points in the paint per game uh, overall, you know, having I think nine now with fifty plus uh, in the paint. Uh, we'll talk about the paint for a moment, Chuck, and and what that meant in that game, and what that means perhaps for tonight too. Well, we'll see if Monte Ellis plays. Number one, he was uh, really iffy last night in Memphis. He'd hurt his elbow apparently late in the Milwaukee game on Sunday. And there was a real issue as to whether or not he was going to go. He's uh, he's the type of guy that does not like to miss games. Heck, he doesn't like to miss practice. I mean, he's always out there. But he was terrible last night, and you could see that uh, the elbow was really affecting him. Well, if he's not playing, all of a sudden the Mavericks drive game really uh, takes a, a huge step back, and they become even more reliant on shooting three pointers. Last night, the Mavericks shot forty three pointers. Uh, it's the first time they've done it since 2002. And, you know, that to me, I don't care what the math says. I know the math geeks will tell you it's three-pointers and layups and free throws and all that kind of stuff, nothing in the middle. Uh, I, I just don't think you can shoot that many threes and get away with it. And so, uh, you know, they've just got to find a way to get better ball movement and, uh, and better shots uh, in the in-between, and especially for Dirk, who – um, you know, who has not played well against the top teams in the league. Uh, he, I, he's he got a bit of a back and a hip thing, but uh, he's he, you can see that it's it's not quite what it's been. And I guess for those of us who have watched him for the last 17 years, it's, it's kind of hard to see because, as Charles Barkley famously said, uh, Father of Time is undefeated. Father of Time broke. So, um, you know, if, if they can't get the driving game go, the going, uh, how how do they create their points? I think is is going to be a large part of the game because uh, Ellis is unafraid to challenge Davis and Ashik around the rim, but I don't know that anybody else is that fearless. You know, it's interesting. Dallas, I think by my count, is the second oldest team in the NBA. Yet, Chuck, in your wins, it's 116 points per game and shooting nearly 50. percent uh, That almost defies logic at this point. Well. Yeah, and a lot of that has come at home. Their, their, their home versus their road splits are really quite remarkable. They average about 10 more points a game at home. They shoot 5% better on the road, uh, at home, than they do on the road. Uh, the three-point thing is probably about the same after they shot 45% from three last night. Uh, but it's, that's a huge difference right now. And granted, the, the Mavericks schedule hasn't been the strongest here at the beginning of the season. Uh, they've not beaten uh, a, a playoff team right now. If, if the playoffs were to start today, they're 0-5 against the West. Uh, four of those games have come on the road. But, um, you know, when they get it going, Sean, it's really pretty. I mean, when the ball is moving uh, and the players are moving, 
they wind up getting a lot of open shots and shots that good NBA players ought to be able to make. Uh, but when they when they don't do that, well, then they just kind of look old and slow, like everybody seems to think that they are. The uh, Mavericks, Chuck, have beaten the Pelicans now eight straight times. Do you think the Mavericks look at the Pelicans as as a team that they've they they have in in the palm of their hand, or there's a mental aspect to this series right now? I don't think they look at it uh, as they have them in the palm of their hand because a lot of these games have been really close games. You know, I think what ten of the last sixteen overall have been games that have been decided by five points or fewer. So, no. And even in in the game in New Orleans uh, on November first, uh, yeah, the Mavericks got off to a great start, had a huge lead at halftime. Uh, but when the Pelicans had the third quarter, they had and Tyreek Evans, uh, you know, kind of went off the grid and actually started making threes, like uh, you know, which he doesn't normally do, and he sort of reverted to not making threes here lately. Uh, that game was on. I mean, it took J.J. Uh, Barea and Brandon Wright at the start of the fourth quarter to turn that game around and give the Mavericks the energy they needed to, to come from behind and win. I mean, Dallas is, uh, I think, what they've won three games this year when they've trailed uh, after three quarters. Uh, you know, the New Orleans game was one of them. I mean, it, do- it doesn't happen very often, and they were in big trouble in that game. So, uh, no, I don't think they look at this as – uh, oh, New Orleans is on the schedule. Yeah, we've got them. Man, they got Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is, is capable of doing rather remarkable things, and they know that. I mean, they saw him go 31-15, and 15, and, they, and he shot 9-21 of 21 in that game. I mean, what if he has one of his games where he's shooting 11-15, of 11-16 from the floor? He's still going to get to the free throw line. Well, all of a sudden, that, that starts looking like a 38.15 rebound game, and that might be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, it might be. Hey, speaking of Anthony Davis, uh, Chuck here in his third year, I've been trying to draw parallels to a franchise having a player like Anthony Davis and then what they did to have a player like Davis help them into a a greater run in their franchise's history. Um, I know Dirk Nowitzki was drafted in 98 by Milwaukee. What was his first year with Dallas? That's what I'm trying to remember. Look up right now. Well, remember, his first year was the lockout year of 99. That's and, right. And, and, and he was bad. And he wasn't a whole lot better the second year, too. But, see, they're not really comparable because Dirk had – he had no – he was playing against, I mean, gym guys over in Wurzburg, Germany. I mean, he wasn't playing against real competition. I mean, he, he had to learn everything on the fly, not to mention learn a new culture. Uh, for Anthony Davis, it's not quite as difficult. But, you know, certainly by the third year, Dirk had the thing uh, – at least in, was in the process of really figuring it out and ultimately has turned into the player that he's turned into. And I think Anthony Davis, in a lot of ways, has got this thing figured out. I mean, what, what, what will be even scarier is if, you know, as much as you'd like to see him around the rim because he's 6'11 and he knows how to finish, uh, but he shoots well enough, what, what if he extends his game and he winds up being able to shoot threes? And at that point, I don't know that we will have seen a player in the NBA quite like that. I mean, Dirk is probably the closest, but you know, it took Dirk a long time to develop a post-up game and, and the willingness to play uh, you know, around the rim. I mean, if he got to the rim, it was because he was facing up and driving. I mean, Davis can do that, but you can throw it to him on the block. He obviously can step out to 20 and shoot it. Uh, but if he has the three-point shot, then it's church for everybody, I'm afraid. Yeah, and that's I guess that's the parallel of the, the blueprint that I'm searching for. When – 
when Dirk started to figure it out and started to begin what is now a future Hall of Fame run, what did the Mavericks do as a franchise around him to take them to where they are now, which is a perennial almost 50-win team? Uh, you know, We're talking about a team that's made all but one playoff run here over the last decade and a half. So if you're going to take a team like Dallas – who really, you know, was trying to come out of the '90s and early 2000s from a dark time in their in their era. They they land a player like Nowitzki, and when he starts to take the step, what did that franchise do in building around him and making it a success? Well, remember, Steve Nash was already there, and Steve Nash had a horrible first year with the Mavericks. He was getting booed at Reunion Arena. Uh, they had Michael Finley, who they who they got in the trade for Jason Kidd. You know, a trade that if Don Nelson had been the general manager at that time, you know, never would have made. But, I mean, you did have a quote-unquote big three that could really score. And then, you know, that team was supplemented by a, a whole bunch of scores. Uh, and that's really sort of been the blueprint for Dirk uh, ever since, you know, he's been with the team when, when Nelly left and, you know, Donnie Nelson really took over running things and, and the player acquisition. Uh, you know, the other thing that ultimately helped the Mavericks win a championship clearly was, you know, finally getting a center, you know, that could take some of the pressure off of Dirk defensively. Dirk was you know, being relied on so much to score that uh, he was never going to be a great defender. He's become a smarter defender through the years. But when Tyson Chandler came in 2011, I mean, that took the Mavericks up to an entirely different level uh, just because he didn't have to worry about a bunch of that stuff anymore. And then when Tyson Chandler left after the championship year, those, those problems kind of returned. But, uh, you know, the Mavericks have always valued uh, experience more than youth, uh, certainly in the Dirk era and really ever since they got to the finals for the first time in 2006. I mean, you look at their draft history, their draft history is abysmal, uh, and in large measure it's because they've never really worked at it. I mean, their, their last real productive draft choice was Devin Harris. Uh, who really wasn't theirs, but they acquired him on draft night. Uh, you know, Jay Crowder's been kind of okay as, as a second-round pick, uh, but you know, it, it's not like he hit the way, say, Chandler Parsons hit uh, for Houston. And then the Mavericks went out and basically had to overpay to get Chandler Parsons in. Uh, but the, the Mavericks value NBA experience gained more than NBA you know, developing their own players. Because I think we've seen, and you know, this is, I think, a lot of the case uh, in New Orleans, and has been anyway, that uh, it's great to have youth and, and fans want to know about the next great thing. Uh, but unless that player is of the Anthony Davis ilk, uh, you better surround him with players who know how to play. Uh, yeah. And the more players that you can find that do that, the better your chances are of gaining a measure of success in the NBA. Well, I, I just... I want to keep looking at that and uh, and studying that and watching that because I I just I'm so enamored by what Dallas has done and now with Rick Carlisle looking at game number what 500 for him as head coach of the Mavericks consistency is something to be said there too. Yes, well, there only uh, there's only one coach that's been at his job longer and that's Greg Popovich and Eric Spolster got his job about ten days before Rick got his so you know they're they're on the same level you know, seven years. That's uh, you know that's about ninety years in NBA coaching, right? It's like dog years. <laughs> so yes, you know the message is is 
pretty much the same, and, and that does matter. And obviously, you know, the Pelicans have, have done that with Monty Williams. Certainly he's been around. They've given him a chance. The team is growing. Uh, you know, you, you lost a great player in Chris Paul, uh, had to bottom out. It's being built back up. You're a 500 team right now. You know, if you're playing in the East, you're probably in the playoffs. But uh, in the West, it's a, it's a different story, and I'm sure that disappoints fans. But it doesn't mean that the message isn't being delivered and that the message isn't, frankly, being heard by the players who were there. But I think going forward, it's on Monty and it's on Del Demps uh, to make sure that they keep getting players into New Orleans that really know how to play and can complement Anthony Davis you know, as opposed to necessarily looking uh, to, to stay younger and, uh, and stay, say, uh, you know, under the salary cap or under the luxury tax. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if, uh, if the Pelicans had to pay the luxury tax uh, to try to get better players in. Indeed. Uh, Chuck, if I bring you a nice bottle of holiday cheer tonight, can you let us have this one? I don't, I don't do bottles of holiday cheer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. I, I do you know, stuff that's a lot cheaper than what you're planning on bringing. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Well, there's always a chance. That's why they play the games. Hell, the Lakers have won six games. Uh, and Philadelphia's that... won two. And, and to that, I do not know a reason why, uh, based on what I've seen. So um, it's interesting. Um, Chuck, all the best. Happy holidays to you. I can't wait to see you tonight. And uh, good luck other than this evening, frankly, honestly. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Voice of the Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein with us here on the Black and Blue Report. And we'll continue here in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana with more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region. Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, I'm sure a lot of you who play fantasy football are deep into the playoffs right now. So we brought in, of course, Jake Seeley, like we do on every Wednesday from RotoExperts.com as part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Xbox One. He's here to help you with your fantasy lineup. Jake, hope all is well with you and hope you're uh, surviving your playoff matchups. <laughs> Most of them, probably about like 70, 80 percent, which I think is a good success rate. Yes, I'm at 33%, so I would say <laughs> your number's a lot better than mine, but you're the expert here. And so um, let's first talk about the Saints and the Bears. Of course, the Saints uh, didn't put up the numbers that people thought they would against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Are you concerned about the Saints' offensive numbers with uh, fantasy owners who have, say, guys like Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham or Kenny Stills, or do you think this is a good opportunity to bounce back against a weaker Chicago team? 
Yeah, I don't. I actually think it's a great opportunity. This has the makings of a shootout. You know, that being said, every time we think there's a shootout for both teams, it ends up being a 13 to 10 score. But this this really does have a makings of both teams being in the 30s, put up big numbers. Uh, you look at Chicago and you look at their numbers against quarterbacks alone and the fact that they've given up the most passing touchdowns, 30 on the year. They allow almost 20 points per game to quarterbacks at NFL.com. The receivers are even better with that, too. They've actually given up the second most receptions of 20-plus yards for 51 on the year. They allowed the most red zone passing attempts at 88, the most touchdowns in the red zone at 22 to receivers. Uh, even against the run, they're not that great. They allow over 18 points a game. So you, know, you look at Mark Ingram last week, he didn't get a ton of touches, but he was over four yards per carry at a nice 4.3 clip. Pierre Thomas almost scored double digits in PPR league. So there's still plenty of value in this matchup. And then the best part of all is they give up the most fancy points per game to tight ends, the second most touchdowns to tight ends in the year, only behind the Jets. So everything here has the makings for a nice bounce back game for everybody involved, especially you, know, you look at some of those numbers and Breeze and Stills giving up those big plays are ones that you really look at. And for everybody that might think, oh, no, Breeze is outdoors and on the road, you just threw five touchdowns against Pittsburgh in the same situation. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, makings of a big shootout game, and I'm, I'm confident in all of them. I'm still sticking with all of them. They got me this far. If I survived last week with Breeze and Graham or something like that, I'm still in it. I'm still going to put them back in my lineup this week. Fair enough. Now, usually we're talking about guys on the waiver wire or guys who are benched or hurt and who to pick up with them. Hopefully by this time, your lineups are basically set if you're deep in the playoffs. So let's focus on some matchups for this week. Give me one or two quarterbacks that have the best fantasy matchup. Uh, There's a lot of quarterbacks that you're already trusting that have good matchups this week, like Breeze, uh, Cutler, Tony Romo, Matt Ryan after what he did last week. But the one that people might not be thinking about, and if you're dealing with a quarterback situation where you've been playing mix and match, maybe you have Andy Dalton in this guy or even Russell Wilson, a really tough matchup who doesn't do as well against the 49ers over his career. Eli Manning, it, you know, it's tough for people to stomach Eli Manning a lot of times because he's been very up and down this year, and he can have games where he goes a little turnover happy. But against Washington earlier this year, 300 passing yards, five touchdowns. Somehow one, one of them was rushing, which is really mm-hmm. surprising to see Eli Manning run for a touchdown. Yeah. But even without that, four passing touchdowns, 33 fancy points against them. The Redskins are one of the worst teams against the pass. Give up most fancy points to quarterbacks. So you look at this matchup, and it's at home this time. That game was actually on the road in Washington. If you, Like I said, if you're playing that mix-and-match quarterback carousel of the Daltons, of the Eli Mannings and stuff like that, this is one of those weeks where, yeah, it's in your playoffs, and it's always risky, but if you went with that mindset into this year, Eli Manning could be the one that really helps you out this week. All right. What about at the running back position? Running back position, uh, you got to look at Cleveland. I chuckled because it's frustrating with the Mm -hmm. Cleveland situation. You and I even talked about before the show is that Isaiah Crowell, you want to see him just get more of the touches. He's apparently going to be in a timeshare with Terrence West for the rest of the season, it looks like, even though he's proven to be the better talent, the better runner in the red zone. But Terrence West is still shown capable, and I think that's why they're not necessarily going to give Crowell 70-80% of the touches. That being said, even if they go 50-50 split again this week, against Cincinnati, one of the worst defenses against the run, uh, even if Crowell gets 50% of the touches, he's still going to get those red zone carries. So he's a great bet to at least get 
60, 70, 80 yards, but that touchdown score, which is really going to make his value at least to RB2 this week, especially with we've seen so many backfields right now with injuries, uh, the matchup problems, timeshares, just like Cleveland. So this is one of those weeks where I, I'm not even concerned that he's going to be sharing touches, and I'm going to roll him out there in a great matchup. All right, we can't forget about the wide receivers. Give me one or two guys that have a good fantasy matchup this weekend. Uh, I think that Sammy Watkins looked really good to bounce back last week, and I think that he'll continue to roll against Green Bay. They're going to have to pass to keep up in that matchup. And then actually going against the Saints, uh, just for the fact that people that might be in deeper leagues, maybe they lost Brandon Marshall, or maybe you had a couple injuries. And it's, it's not so much the fact of you know, he's going to do a tremendous amount against the Saints defense or anything like that, but Marcus Wilson steps in as a very similar wide receiver to Brandon Marshall, same size, 6'4", 200-plus pounds, very athletic, very able. Uh, if you're looking for somebody, like I said, he's not going to put up Brandon Marshall numbers, but if you're thin at wide receiver and suffered some injuries, he could immediately step in and give you a wide receiver 3-4 type of number. So that's kind of a deeper leader option if you lost some options here late in the season. Okay, hopefully you're not going too much into the waiver wire this weekend in the playoffs, but just in case, how about two or three guys worth picking up? Uh, you have to pick up Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, if you're looking at the quarterback position. I mentioned it earlier this season, but the same thing with Robert Griffin. When he came in, he was under Kyle Shanahan, and he's the one that let him run so much as a rookie. You can expect to see very similar for that for Johnny Manziel. Not a great matchup passing-wise because Cincinnati's pass defense is 10 times better than the run, but it's that running ability that gives Manziel that high upside. As we saw when he came in the game the late two weeks ago, he got that rushing touchdown. That's where his potential comes from. So if you're playing, again, that, that mix-and-match quarterback, Johnny Manziel is a great one. And then looking at wide receivers, I already talked about Wilson, but if Charles Johnson is still hanging out there, we talked about him before on this show. I've talked about him on the podcast for the website at NewOrleansCS.com and everything. Charles Johnson is still sitting out there in less than five – or he's owned in less than 5% of leagues, so he's out there in over 95% of leagues on NFL.com. If last week didn't convince you, he's a huge part of that offense, and Bridgewater is going to him early and often. He's somebody that – he's a wide receiver three. I would put him ahead of Wilson. I would put him ahead of Moncrief and guys like that. I would could be confident starting him in my lineup this week. Good stuff, as always, from Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com as part of our Fantasy Focus Presented by Xbox One. Jake, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, and uh, good luck in the playoffs. Absolutely. You too. All right. When we come back, Sean will be back to wrap things up. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron, available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. 
This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to Dallas, where tonight we get the Pelicans and the Mavericks. By the way, that's a 7 central start time. I know normally in Dallas, the Mavericks like to tip their home games at 7.30, but tonight it is at 7 p.m., and that's due to national television coverage uh, with ESPN. So ESPN has the television, television side of it tonight. We'll, of course, have the radio side on the Pelicans radio network. Our broadcast will begin promptly at 7 as we get you set for Pelicans and Mavericks. As we mentioned earlier with Chuck Cooperstein, the Pelicans are trying to snap another losing streak tonight. Last night they snapped a five-game home losing streak to the Knicks with the win, 104-93. Tonight they'll be looking to snap an eight-game overall losing streak against the Dallas Mavericks. Davis versus Nowitzki ought to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to seeing you on the radio later on tonight. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, is scheduled to join us. We should have plenty more regarding Saints and Bears upcoming this weekend. And uh, we'll also, of course, bring you the Monty Williams radio show tomorrow night on WWLFM. That's at 8 Central. Our thanks again today to Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, Daniel Salerson, Chuck Cooperstein of the Dallas Mavericks, and our own David Wesley, too. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. And we'll see you tonight for Pelicans Mavericks. And until tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.